0: listening to episode 47, chapter 5 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth.
1: And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life.
0: And today, we're wrapping up our conversation with Alan Fadling, author of An Unhurried Life. Alan Fadling serves as a frequent speaker and consultant with local churches, national organizations, and leaders internationally. He's also president and founder of Unhurried Living Incorporated in Mission Viejo, California, inspiring people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. He shows leaders how to get perspective so their leadership flows from a full soul and out of healthy rhythms of rest and work. A trained spiritual director, Allen is also the award-winning author of An Unhurried Leader and An Unhurried Life, which was honored with a Christianity Today Award of Merit in Spirituality.
1: We're all familiar with the story of the talents that Jesus told where a master entrusts his servant with a sum of money and returns later to see how they handled his money. In our American culture, we typically look at this story and walk away with an understanding that we are called now To do something with our lives and to produce fruit while we can, almost as if the end of our lifetime is the cutoff date, the time when our Master will come back to check on how well we handle the things He gave us. The problem we inherently sense in living an unhurried life is that it clashes with this perspective on Jesus' story. But what if the unhurried life Jesus demonstrated and that Alan is helping us discover means something more than fruitfulness while we're alive? In this chapter, Alan unpacks what it means to live an unhurried life with an eternal perspective, and it may just be the good news of the gospel we've been
0: neglecting in our culture of hurry. We've mentioned some of the disciplines. I want to talk about a couple more disciplines that you talk about towards the end of the book, and then this idea of this eternal perspective. And I think, because I think cultivating an eternal perspective when it comes to living an unhurried life really does help us sort of, uh, that's the mindset, right? Like, that's really that motivation of why. So tell us why an eternal perspective is so important to helping us uh, live an unhurried life.
2: Right. Well, maybe this gets a little bit back to, you know, the comment I made about how we tend to measure the uh, fruitfulness of our work, the productivity of what we're doing in very narrow windows of time and, and tend to measure just numeric things that are easy to count. Um, but what if the fruit of my life is actually measured beyond even my lifetime? What would it be like to look back at this little blip of life I've had from a thousand years from now? Um, So part of the eternal perspective is realizing that I have a tendency to imagine that my life is all the frantic stuff I'm doing, when actually all the stuff I'm doing is just an expression of life. That's a Maybe it sounds like semantics, but it's quite a critical thing. My life, John 17, Jesus is saying this is eternal life, that they would know you and the one whom you have sent. Life is relational. It's, It's an engagement. It's an interactive communion with God. From the beginning of creation, God breathes, and now we're alive. Now, instead of just mud, We are living, breathing, spiritual beings, and that is still the reality of what makes us truly alive. We are alive because the breath of God's spirit breathes into us and breathes through us, and then for our lives to be fruitful in a way that expresses um, the life of God's kingdom requires that my life be full of the presence of God. And so, you know, that is, you know, eternity is the nature of the kingdom that the kingdom is an eternal kingdom. That's not just a duration comment. That's a qualitative description of the kingdom. Jesus came to announce and said was such good news and really invited us to fully turn ourselves in the direction of him and this announcement of his. It's, it's an eternal kingdom. This is the nature of our life, and therefore, it's the nature of our work. So would I be okay if God arranged my steps in such a way that most of my life didn't look nearly as fruitful as I wanted it to look, but somehow it resulted in fruit that would extend past my lifetime that maybe I didn't get credit for? Would I be okay with that? Jesus was. Jesus has very little to show for his efforts and his ministry work by the time he goes to the cross. He's got 12, then 11 sort of semi half-hearted followers and a very fickle crowd who's turned on him. That's what he has to show for himself. (laughs) But my argument is what he did in those years of ministry in his unhurried way, were were absolutely strategic activities, you know. As I said earlier, he loved people. That's eternal. That will last. Fruit that lasts always involves people. Mm-hmm. If I'm pouring most of my energy in managing things, it's very. There's a very good chance I'm going to miss out on bearing the kind of fruit that lasts. Human uh, impact. And then. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but. The, the big idea is um, what Jesus does is still fruitful today mm-hmm. in a few years. I really think that slowing down, so we pay attention to the Father and somehow follow Jesus' way of knowing just what to say because he hears the Father saying it, knowing just what to do because he sees the Father doing it, somehow slowing down to live in that kind of communion with the Father we might find that we could follow his more unhurried but also more fruitful way. So that's some of what I envision when I talk about the eternal uh, perspective of of an unhurried life.
1: For me, this goes back to what we were talking about with identity. Um, if If we're not okay with our lives producing value beyond our lifetimes, uh, I think it means that our identity is is somewhere outside of the value that God has placed on us, um, and, and we're somehow trying to to make a name for ourselves because we feel this inherent lack or this inherent inferiority, and so we're trying to do to to make ourselves more valuable in this lifetime and to fill that void. But if our identity is is founded and based on who God says we are as his beloved children, um, that we don't have to fill that void anymore. And I, I think it's out of that place, like you're talking about, that eternal perspective comes in and we're free to not have an impact during our lifetime. And we can be strategic about those things that we're doing now because they don't, they they don't precede the 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 identity. They follow and they come out of our identity.
2: No, that's right. Um, one of the metaphors I used um, in an unhurried leader, which you know sort of followed up an unhurried life, was this basic question: um, Am I bringing my thirsts to my work, trying to get them quenched by what I do, or am I bringing my thirsts to God, finding that in? a trusting relationship with him, it could actually be like rivers of living water flowed from within me. Like my thirst would get transformed into a river. And now instead of bringing thirst to my work, like a thirst to be important and a thirst to be praised and a thirst to accomplish lots and lots of stuff. Instead of bringing a thirst to my work, I bring an abundance to my work. This river flows and touches others. that's, I think, exactly what you're saying. I I don't come to my work bringing scarcity to it. I come to my work bringing abundance to it. And where do I find that abundance? Well, of course, I'm, I'm a branch. He's a vine. That's where I find abundance. I find it in communion. That's the place of abundance that I then bring to my relationships and to the work that God's entrusted to me.
0: Yet the other thing that this eternal... Uh, perspective really impressed upon me was it I forget exactly where in the book but you talked about you know when we when we start to live the unhurried life with Jesus we stop working for him we stop trying to do things for him and we start trying to do things with him Um, and, and so again this idea of walking with him and so this Anyway, just the sort of the comment on the uh, the structure of the book and the way that you sort of lead up to this idea is that it, it really paints this picture of of living a life with God from an eternal perspective means to be actually doing that like living for Him, like, but f- Him not not in order to go around and do all of these things like we're talking about for us. It's 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 to be in communion with Him, and so if we really grasp this eternal perspective and we recognize that our life here is just one tiny small piece of that eternal existence with him then why would we wait until eternity to start living that kind of a life with him when we could start now (laughs) (laughs) it's like we can begin today (laughs) like that's the really awesome thing about living this eternal perspective is that it is we can live the eternal life now, as you say, and so, um, which I think again, I think that brings a whole lot of of, of more freedom. And then in another place, you you, you do uh, again. I, I I have it here in my notes, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit more. This idea of the uh, two parts of the Great Commission, but in the in the quote, you know, you say. It's a whole lot easier to teach people what they should do, and more difficult to teach how. So, and that's what we're talking about. It's it's the how of living this unhurried life, um, you know, walking and following uh, Jesus. Um, Alan, I want to be sensitive to your time, and uh, so I want to say thank you for being on the podcast with us. Man, I feel like we've really only scratched like the surface of what your book covers and talks about. So I, I highly, highly recommend that all, all people, especially leaders need to go and get a copy of this book and, and check it out. Um, where can people go to find out more about uh, you and, and and Jim and your work that you guys are doing and get a copy of the book?
2: Sure. Well, so the easiest way to do it would be to go to our website, which is unhurried com. If you go to slash life, that page has links to a number of different booksellers for the new Hardcover edition. The other thing I'll mention is that you know one of the things we like to do for leaders, two things really, ministries that we offer. One is a weekly midweek kind of email. Uh, it's not a selling email; it's more of a encouraging email, so they can sign up for that. And the other thing is, you know, we've had for a number of years now our own podcast. These days, we're moving toward more author interviews as well. So I'm having conversations with writers who are talking on similar or related themes. And uh, so your listeners might find that helpful as well.
0: And we will have links to everything in the show notes as always. So you guys can uh, click down there and uh, go check out everything that Alan is doing over at Unhurried Living. Uh, Alan, I want to open it up just to give you one last comment or call to action to our, uh, our audience, if you have it.
2: Sure. I think what I would say is, you know, assuming that this uh, COVID-19 reality is not going to come to a complete end in a few more days, assuming that this is going to mark our lives in some way for weeks and months and I think perhaps years to come. Now is the time to learn how to walk. Now is the opportunity to do what Jesus invited us to do, which is to walk with him. His favorite metaphor for this was a yoke. And I've come to believe that the way he meant that metaphor to be seen was not that it was a yoke he handed over to us and then left us on our own to muscle. He was inviting us to be with him, that the yoke is a, is a way of talking about living with him and walking with him and working with him. And that to me is the good news. That is the good life that is well worth giving your life for and telling the world about.
0: Would you be okay if God arranged for your life not to be as fruitful in your lifetime as you'd like it to be? Or if you didn't get credit for much of your work at all? This question that Alan put forth in this chapter has challenged me deeply. I find myself having to honestly look at my heart, and I don't like the answer. I'm struggling to say yes and mean it. I want to serve God and contribute to the best of my ability to His kingdom. I want to serve with excellence. But, if I'm honest, I also want others to recognize and appreciate my contributions. I suspect many of you listening can relate. We all want to feel significant, to feel like we have value. But as we've talked about this week, much of our struggle with living a hurried life comes from the kind of fruit... We try to produce learning to see our lives and the fruit that they produce from an eternal perspective gives us the clarity to realize where our worth truly lies. We are children of God through Christ, and our worth is not measured in what we can or will produce. Our worth is set before God for all eternity. This means We have the freedom to follow God's will without fear of measuring up. The work is His. He is responsible for the results. We are simply obedient to His call. We are participants in the work He is doing. He invites us to join Him. So the pressure's off. Now this sounds great and is easier said than done. So I want to challenge you to spend some time wrestling with these questions before God. A great way to begin would be to practice silence and solitude for an hour or so and realize that even when you're doing nothing, the world continues to move, God remains God, and you still have value even when you're doing nothing.
1: How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And We have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship and the daily growth journal will help you do just that. For listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast, to find out more about Alan's work, check out unhurriedliving.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Chris and I reflect on what we've heard this week, and how we're learning to make rest a lifestyle. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.